Welcome to Postscript. My name is Dave, one of the pastors here, and uh, with me today is lead pastor Paul Eastwood. How's it going? It's going all right. How are you, Paul? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's been uh, fun going through the series. Yeah, this has been a great series. We're um, we're going through the series called Everywhere, um, talking about what it is to embody Jesus, and we're we're kind of expanding out every week. So we talked a bit about kind of our homes and and the relationships we feel most comfortable in. Um, and then we talked about our church last week uh, and why that's really important, something mm-hmm. maybe we don't think about. And then here we we kind of went another level out. So why don't you give us a little recap from Sunday? Yeah, and and maybe maybe just to also say as your by way of introduction, you know, and um, I didn't really know where I was going to go with this series, you know, mm-hmm. when I started to plan it out. And we talked about this idea of all the different spaces. And when I started looking at them, I really saw a progression that maybe I didn't see when I began. And so I talked about the idea of integrity beginning at home and then there's practice that happens in the church, but then there's also just the fact that we need each other to represent Christ to each other. Probably right. it's, it, I would say it is more foundational, uh, to what we're talking about today. And mm-hmm. that is this part of evangelism or mission that, you know, those of us who really love this, we get really excited about this, right? Now it's about, okay, how do I tell the world about Jesus? And so we get really excited about that, but I don't. I don't think that we can do that well unless it's done well in our church, unless it's well done well in our homes. And right. so those two things actually almost need to happen in advance. And right. so this week we were talking about what it looks like to embody Jesus wherever we find ourselves in our community and, mm. you know, and beyond. Yeah. And you talked about three different uh, categories, three kind of things that we're called to embody. Uh, you talked about his perspective, his mission and his kingdom. Um, why don't we start with the first one? Why don't we start with perspective? So what, like, uh, again, give me a little more, um, what is it that we are called to carry the same perspective as, as Jesus? Yeah. I, I think that, that, you know, we spend a lot of time thinking about what makes us different from other people. Hmm. And, and if we look around, you see lots of anger and frustration and, you know, political, uh, anger about like who's on the left and who's on the right and who's in which camp. And so we spend a lot of time, I think in our culture today talking about what makes us different. But Jesus was always focused on what makes us the same. Hmm. He focused on our humanity. And I think that, that that is something that we need to practice way more when it comes to the people that we see. Because, you know, you know we think about our enemies or people that we come in contact that we um, despise for some reason or we are angry with. And, and you know, in those cases, we, we tend to sort of like separate us, ourselves from them and yeah. say that we are different, like we are better. Uh, but the truth is we're all humanity and we are all in a place of, you know, separation from God. And so the idea of, of seeing people the same, I think is really, uh, really significant. Yeah. And I think it's really hard to do. Uh, and oh. may, maybe the, the longer you're in the church, the harder it is. Um, but you're right that the church, the evangelical church, right, is known, um, certainly south of the border and sometimes here for culture wars, for being against, for rallying for protests for like all of these things um and and even i mean even sometimes <laughs> when they describe how we're all the same they do it in in a way that's not all that winsome yeah um and and when we look at jesus we see this funny tension where he uh it's not that he wasn't like he he wasn't supportive of everything right he wasn't of for course. everything yeah uh, he spoke out actively against sin yeah. 
But as you noted, sinners wanted to be with him and he had all the time in the world, it seems, yeah, um, to hang out with tax collectors without telling them like, hey, tax collecting is okay. Yeah. Um, how do we, how do we find that? How, like, what do you think, are there any practical tips you would have for how do we do that in our lives? Well, I mean, I, I, I mean, I think that it, this may sound a little like simplistic, but I think that one of the practical tips is to spend more time in prayer. Um, because mm. I think that in those moments we can explore our own feelings and prejudice, uh, recognizing the places that we, um, because I think that, you know, it's, it's a, it's a bit uh, um, sort of idealistic and maybe not realistic to think that we have no prejudice and that we, you know, that we see everybody the same. It's like, well, do you really, you know, right. like let's, let's talk about Hamas or let's talk about, right. you know, um, evil that's being perpetrated in all kinds of different places. Right. So um, we do have feelings about, you know, certain people or even, um, you know, dare I say it, people groups that is, you know, wildly unhealthy because I think, um, you know, I think that what we need to recognize is that, is that everybody, you know, is sort of, um, in the same boat, hmm. but I, but I, but I also think that, you know, one of the practical, like the practical ways that we can, um, do this is also by getting our mind off ourselves. And so I told the story about Jesus and one of the more, um, one of the stories that really grabs my attention around the funeral and how Jesus saw the woman who was, who was hurting and had compassion on her while everyone else was trying to be respectful and get out of the way. Right. Like Jesus actually enters into the mess, goes into the crowd and goes straight towards the woman who is in, in pain. And what that requires is an othered focused life, hmm. right? So a life where we are constantly looking at others, looking at others' needs, um, looking at others' concerns, you know, seeing when people are hurting and that involves us just noticing humanity around us. And I, I, yeah. I can't say it in any other way. Just we need to notice each other's humanity. Yeah. I, you know, I feel like so often um, I catch myself in a conversation instead of listening to the person, preparing my response to the person. Exactly. Um, right. Like we, we have conversations and, and then we've got kind of agendas in these conversations and, oh, I need to say this. I need to say this. Yeah. And it, it, like it's, and we do this in prayer too, right? If you're praying in a group of people and someone's praying before you've had a chance to pray, what are you sitting there doing? Kind of listening, but kind of thinking, what is it I'm going to pray for? Right. right. Like, right. And, and how do we, yeah, I, I think there's a call here to like genuinely listen with curiosity and yeah. with compassion to the people around us. Not, not so that we can find a way to say our piece, not so that we can, right? Like, and, and if someone asks us, like, I, I think, man, we should be people of good questions and who are willing to answer good questions. Yeah. But I, I wonder if looking more like Jesus in this way is actually just making less statements. Yeah. Um, like we, we want to stand up for things and we want to like, and I, sometimes, sometimes I think it's called for, but I think maybe much less often than some of our evangelical brothers and sisters tend to, to do it, right? Like well, this is where social media gets us into so much trouble because it's basically a platform for standing up and saying things. And like, I don't, I'm not sure that that follows with what Jesus was doing. Yeah, no, I think that's that's really well said. And I, I think maybe you can, you know, to explore what you said earlier, the fact that, you know, that Jesus, um, I mean, you look at the Sermon on the Mount, right? Yeah. Which is, so we're kind of jumping around because we also talked about embodying his kingdom. Yes. And living under the under the rule and lordship of Christ means that we take on something like the Sermon on the Mount as our manifesto. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like that's the way we're supposed to live our lives. Like, have you read that recently? Like, right. so read from Matthew 5 to 7, if you got a few minutes to read through, and you'll see that he calls us to 
impossibly high standards, mm-hmm. you know? And in that, you you recognize that that Jesus' standards are extremely high. There mm-hmm. is no lowering of standards. However, those people who fell short were the ones he loved and the ones that he spent the most time with. Mm-hmm. And I think that if we are to be the people who are going to start spouting out uh, spouting out things online, I the question that I would ask is, are you the kind of person that people who have different views would actually come to you and want to hear from you? Right. And if, if you are, uh, you know, sharing these kind of things in an unloving way, um, you know, chances are you're not being effective at all about, you know, sharing what you believe. And so I think that people wanted to hear what Jesus had to say because of who he was. Right. And, and that really comes down to compassion, humility, you know, uh, a, a desire for justice. Like those were the things that kind of, um, you know, made up who he was. And so mm-hmm. that's what made him so attractive to the people that were around him. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about embodying his mission. Um, you, you noted that the word that's used over and over in the passage is reconciliation, reconcile. Um, what does it mean for us to be a people of reconciliation? Yeah. Reconciliation is kind of a, a weird word. And, um, you know, like it, in one sense, there's a, there's a, an element of peace involved in reconciliation. Mm. It's about, you know, like reconciliation is often used when we're talking about two sides that are warring against each other. Right. So mm. reconciliation is how do we bring these two sides together who have different ideas and different, you know, um, perspectives. And so when we think about reconciliation, it's uh, it, between us and God, it's about making things right, bring, bridging the gap. And so mm-hmm. I talked about, you know, obviously we know in the gospel, like there's sin that separates us, but because of Jesus, we're sort of brought back into a right relationship with him. Mm-hmm. There's actually, um, there's a book called uh, Reconcile, um, uh, it, but, and, and basically by a guy named uh, John Paul Lederach. And anyways, he, he says in this book, he talks about, um, Jesus sort of showing the art of reconciliation. And he talked about three sort of steps and he talked about notice mutual humanity. We talked a little bit about that. Number two, he talked about nurture self reflection, Mm -hmm. which I think is really important because we begin to see the things that are in us that are causing the tension between two people. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing is a company through committed friendship. And so this makes me think about this. So, so what he's saying is like the way we walk through reconciliation is through a committed relationship with that, you know, individual. Hmm. And it makes me think about, um, I once heard, and and maybe I'm going to get this wrong, but you know, if you think about God's love for us, um, someone, you know, I think it was, uh, um, Scott McKnight gave a definition about a rugged commitment to be with and for one another for the sake of Christ. And so that kind of definition is, is sort of what Jesus, well, it is what Jesus did this rug or what God shows this, this rugged commitment, which means that it's, it is on, it just keeps going and going and going to be, uh, with, which means, you know, to be actually present with someone and for meaning like for their benefit, advocating for them, advocating because of Jesus. And so, Again, Jesus is the is the the motivation and the kind of the 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 main point. But then you have this picture of like of a commitment to someone to be with them and to be for them. Mm. And I think that if people who we see things differently, let's let's talk about people in our community. Let's, you know, maybe someone you work with, maybe someone at school with you. And in that context, you have someone who is you know, you are 
diametrically opposed, yeah. right? How do we build relationships where we can share the good news of Jesus? They need mm-hmm. to know, the person that you're across from needs to know that you are committed to them, that you want to be with them in their presence and for them, right? Because, because the, if we see those people, the way that we would see them, sorry, I'm, I'm jumping over a bit, but mm-hmm. like the way that we would see them is they are an enemy there to be avoided. I need to stay away from them. Yep. The way that Jesus sees that person is lost in need of a savior and in need of new life. And so for us to have this perspective where we see this, this person's humanity, we care for them and begin to love them for who they are. Mm-hmm. And that moves us to this place of compassion where we step in and offer our presence and we offer our um, you know, support and, you know, to be for that person. And then we listen to them. Hmm. And so our advice or the way that we communicate or even the way that we argue is based on the fact that we care for them, not that we want to get ourselves, um, you know, made make our point. Right. It's more about caring for the other person. So right. I don't know if that, that clarifies things in any way, but I think it, you know, for me, it's, a, it's about when I representing Jesus well means that when I am in conflict with someone, I take a step back and say, okay, how can I be for this person rather than against them? Hmm. Yeah, that's good. I, I mean, reconciliation, um, to me, like it's, it's an interesting word in this moment because I think we as Canadians, right, we've, yeah. we've heard, if you've been paying attention the past couple of years, lots about truth and reconciliation. Great. Um, yeah. And lots about like that relationship, which is uh, having, um, having lived in different parts of Canada, uh, it, it's actually kind of more active in other parts of the world than it is here in our neighborhood. Um, and I, I think a lot of people don't know what it is. And I, I think maybe one of the questions I have when it comes to reconciliation, so let's let's take that as an example. Like, it feels like there's so much brokenness in the world that, like, do we, uh, do we go out of our way to pursue reconciliation with people we don't know? Or do we, like live reconciliation with the people around us. Like, how do we find that tension, right? I think sometimes we can be too insular and like, sure, I'll practice reconciliation with my family and my close friends, maybe my colleagues, but like, I don't want to have to deal with my neighbors or people who are not like me, or certainly all this like truth and reconciliation. Like it's good, but it's good for someone else. I don't need to deal with that. Um, And on the other hand, I I know people who who, uh, frankly become so overwhelmed by the scale of reconciliation that's needed that they it, they just kind of can't function well anymore. So w- how do we walk that line? So when Jesus was asked, when Jesus sent his disciples in John chapter 20, verse 21, he said, as the Lord is sending me, as God is sending me, I am mm. sending you. Yeah. Jesus was sent into the world, not to make peace with people, mm-hmm. but to make peace with God possible for people. Right. Right. So he's saying, I'm sending you in the same way. So I would say that our responsibility is first and foremost to reconcile lost people to God. Hmm. And that's different than reconciling a person that has wronged me um, with myself, right? right? So my, the point that I w- I'm trying to make is that um, 
those kinds of things are characteristics that mark the kingdom because when uh, when what you're talking about in terms of like how do i reconcile myself with my neighbor yeah interpersonal interpersonal that that is a mark of the kingdom in the sense that it it demonstrates humility it demonstrates kindness and patience and peace and all yeah. the fruits of the spirit and all of those kind of things but that is not our ultimate goal right our ultimate goal is to reconcile people to god right and so when it comes to people that we disagree with I'm not entering into those conversations so that I feel better about my relationship with that individual. Hmm. I'm looking for ways to, to present Jesus in a way that that person is going to hear and recognize their need for it as well. Right. And so we're, we're, this is more about, you know, evangelism and, and, and reconciling and making peace between basically what I said in the message is standing in the gap between a broken humanity and God. Right. So how do we do that? Well, hmm. Um, it, it, it actually becomes less about, you know, doing it with people that are, you know, that I like, or, you know, friendship, interpersonal kind of stuff. Right. That's a good, good distinction there. Cause it's, it's not that the interpersonal isn't important, but it's not right. our end goal. Um, right. And sometimes we get so caught on the interpersonal that we actually forget about the end goal. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think the interpersonal yeah. part really helps us create a, a playing field that allows us to speak truth into somebody's life. Hmm. And so we can seek to have peace with someone um, you know, especially because I think, I think, I mean, there's so many things that we could go into here in, mm-hmm. and I don't want to go down a total rabbit trail, rabbit trail, but obviously, you know, forgiveness is something that is very close to reconciliation yeah. and forgiveness is something that we're commanded to do because God has forgiven us. Right. So it's yeah. not, it's not, I forgive you because that'll make my life easier. I forgive you because God forgave me and I want to demonstrate the, you know, the kingdom and the king to you. Right. And that, so that gets us into our third section of embodying the kingdom. And you talked about authenticity and living under the rule and reign of Jesus, um, allowing him, declaring him to be Lord out of, over every, in every corner of our lives. It's mm-hmm. kind of the way I've, I've described it at times. Um, which is, which is really hard, right? Like we, this is where we are good at compartmentalizing and being like, okay, like you can have my Sunday morning and you can have this, but like, ah, you can't quite have this much of my finances and you can't, you can't have this hobby and you can't have that and you can't have that, but like, it's okay. I'll give you most of the stuff. Right. Right. And actually like embodying the kingdom, um, it, like it's, it's all or nothing, right? Like, which is, which is hard because I, I think we're used to seeing people maybe more on the like some than we are on the all or nothing. Yeah. How do we, as a people of some who like to give kind of some of our lives to the King, um, become a people of all giving him everything? Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. And really, you know, I, I, we're just scratching the surface here, but I do think that, you know, second Corinthians five 14 sort of applies here. And, and that says that for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but live for the, for him who died Mm. and was raised again. And so it is Christ's love that compels us. So guess where this brings us to brings us to rule of life, right? right? It brings us to this place of, okay, I need to create space in my life to welcome and respond to Jesus mm. because it's his love that compels us. And, you know, one of the things that I found most powerful about the Lord's prayer that, you know, was sort of new to me was this idea when we always pray, like thy kingdom come, thy will be done in, on earth as it is in heaven. It's like, what are you praying there? Like that God's kingdom would come. And, and what I uh, talked about on Sunday is this is not a prayer of resignation where we say like, 
all right, God, like the world is so bad, just yeah. come and fix it. It's actually a prayer, a prayer participation mm-hmm. where we say your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And guess what? Yeah. That's on me. Right. And that's on my friend, my, the people that I go to church with, the, the, this is on us. And so it's not that we will bring about the kingdom, but we can slowly uh, influence in ways that will present the kingdom in ever increasingly clear ways. Yeah. So, so how, what does that look like? Um, I, like, I think we have similarities that we're all called to, but I think we're all also wired a bit differently. So like, what is, right. what is God's unique will for my life? And is it different than yours? Is it, do we need to all do the same kinds of things or like, that's great. Yeah. I actually got that, that question on Sunday. Someone came and asked me directly, like, what's, what's God's will for my life? And I was like, oh, that's a good question. Let's, uh, you know, I'm Paul, like, <laughs> nice to meet you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cause that was the first thing that we talked about. But I think the the, sim- the simple answer there is that, is that it, we all have a responsibility to make Jesus known. That yeah. is your job and my job. If you have chosen to make Jesus the Lord and the savior of your life, mm. then you have a responsibility to make him known. And that's for all of us, but that does not mean that every one of us is called to be a pastor or called to be a street evangelist or called to like even be evangelists in our, in our place of work, you know, where we're passing out tracks or we're talking about Jesus every day. Right. We are to make him known. And so that includes, um, sharing when having the opportunity, but it, it includes, absolutely includes showing what that looks like. Mm. And for many of us, you know, we have our own gifts and our own skills and our unique uh, ways that God has wired us to to do something. Like in um, uh, in Ephesians chapter two, it says that we are God's workmanship created in his, his image to do good works that he prepared for us in advance to do. Each one of us is a masterpiece with our own uh, life laid out in front of us. And you may be a welder, you may be a business owner or a student. Mm. Every single one of us has uh, responsibilities that are unique to us. And then we also share responsibilities together to make Jesus known. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Um, and I, I, yeah, I'm figuring that out probably takes, um, takes community, right? Again, we come back to rule of life. Part of rule of life is, uh, the fact that we do need to be in relationship with each other. And like, we, we need to, kind of confirm the things we feel God prompting us towards, which we hear in prayer and we hear in his word, but we also hear from one another. We often bring those things and we say, Hey, do you see this in me? Do I like, I'm feeling like God might be prompting me in this way. And like, is this, does this align with how I'm embodying Jesus? Is this, is this, do you think the spirits at work here? Uh, that can be a really, yeah, beautiful and wonderful thing, which is why we encourage people to get into community groups and get Absolutely. serving and yeah, all those things. Okay, Paul, we are, uh, we are out of time for today. Um, next week, Postscript's going to look a little bit different because uh, we're doing it live yeah. after the Sunday service. I get to sit down with two uh, amazing women doing yeah. amazing things around the world in embodying Jesus um, and ask them some questions about the work of Compassion Canada and the work of IJM, International Justice Mission. Yeah. Super excited about that. Don't um, want to miss it. It'll be great. But you can you can come and uh, see that live after the service. We're going to be down in the comments. Um any, any closing thoughts from this week as we continue in this series and embodying Jesus? Yeah, I would just say, um, I would remind, remind yourself every time you look in the mirror that you are a new creation yeah. and that in that, because of Jesus, not because of you, um, he has given you this new perspective. Uh, so I would just encourage you to see people the way that he sees them, mm-hmm. engage in his mission, uh, be reconcilers and, uh, and, and just, you know, recognize that you are an ambassador for the king and so you know the the final thought is just embody jesus everywhere 
Love it. Thanks, Paul. Uh, We'll be back next week with more. 